uh, Revelation uh, chapter 22 this morning. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, uh, we come to the uh, closing chapter, uh, Brother Mike, of our uh, study through the book of Revelation. Uh, it's an important one, as uh, I think you know, I uh, see a number of different things here, uh, including reference to uh, uh, water of life, uh, a tree of life, uh, and a book of life also. Uh, we praise God this morning for uh, a Savior, Brother Mike, who is our uh, source of life and eternal life. We, we praise God uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's jump in here this morning. Um, you see here uh, in the first uh, two verses, uh, water of life and a tree of life. Revelation 22, 1, uh, John writes, he showed me a pure river of water of life. Now this, uh, this evidently would be in the, uh, where? Where would this be? Well, the context uh, established by the prior chapter would be the New Jerusalem. Um, let's see, uh, uh, Ezekiel, I uh, don't need to turn there, but Ezekiel 47 uh, talks about a river, uh, makes reference to a river during the millennium, maybe make a note. Uh, it's Ezekiel 47 verses 1 through 5, I believe, but uh, uh, evidently a different river, different time, different place. Uh, this is a pure river of water, uh, clear as crystal, water of life, I should say, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God. Uh, and out of the Lamb. And so uh, this is a, a, a river that is pure, that proceeds from uh, the throne of God and of the Lamb. Uh, and so, Mike, there's perhaps here a, a general picture, a picture in general of God's provision. Uh, but boy, I can't help but think of salvation when I see a pure river of water of life uh, and then a tree of life uh, in, in verse 2. Can't think, can't think about not only the Lord's provision in general, but his provision of eternal life uh, specifically. Uh, verse 2, we see the tree of life in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life. Uh, the description is interesting, which bare 12 manner of fruits, uh, yielded her fruit every month. So evidently, uh, this tree bears uh, fruit uh, every month and a different fruit each month of the year. Uh, it's the third, uh, well, it's the third time we've seen a reference to 12 uh, in the New Jerusalem. So we've seen the, the 12 gates bearing the names of the 12 tribes, be an allusion to Israel. Uh, and then the names of the apostles um, and the 12 um, layers, it would seem, of the foundations uh, of the city. So you have uh, a place with references to the Old Testament nation of Israel, nation of Israel, firstly in the Old Testament, let's say it that way. Uh, and then uh, New Testament apostles uh, coming together in, in one place, Christ, of course, being the, the way of life, the water of life, the tree of life for all of them. Uh, and now this tree of life bearing 12 different fruits, uh, one every month, uh, the Lord's provision, but perhaps also uh, a reference to this idea of, of the 12s coming together, uh, Christ being the, the, the way of life, uh, the way of eternal life for all. 
Uh, we're in Revelation chapter 21, seeing the, the water of life in verse 1, and then the tree of life uh, in, in verse 2. Um, look at the rest of the uh, verse 2 there, yielded her fruit every month, pretty interesting, uh, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And so uh, there, there's a picture here of the uh, one of the aspects of, of the perfection of the um, New Jerusalem, uh, the, the healing of the nations. Perhaps, Mike, an allusion back to uh, the judgment that has occurred um, at the uh, end of the tribulation at Armageddon, uh, judgment of the nations that seems to occur at the end of the tribulation period. Uh, and now the Lord has a, uh, a manner, he has a prescription, if you will, for the healing of the nations. Uh, makes specific reference to the tree and the leaves. Uh, I think this is probably symbolic, Christ being the tree of life, is the one uh, who is the one who heals spiritually the individual uh, sinner uh, and the nations. Uh, we'll certainly understand that more fully uh, when we get there. Um, some of the uh, different aspects of the blessings that we'll experience in the New Jerusalem uh, in verse 3, third observation this morning, is that the curse of the garden is gone. Uh, verse 3, there shall be no more curse. Of course, the Lord uh, cursed uh, creation following the sin of Adam and Eve, the fall of man, if you will, uh, as a result of, of their sin. Uh, there, there's curse upon all people and upon every aspect of the Lord's creation. Uh, we look around the world today and we see a variety of different aspects um, of, of the curse. Uh, probably uh, some of our weather uh, I don't know if snow today is, is, is part of the curse, Zach, but uh, certainly the world bears the scars of, of the curse the Lord imposed at creation. You want to have a reference for that, a good reference to be Genesis 3 and verse 17. Unto Adam, uh, he, the Lord, said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and in sorrow uh, shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. So uh, a curse fell upon all of creation, uh, including men. Uh, we've inherited each a sin nature down from Adam. Uh, somehow, some way, we don't exactly understand the nature of that, but we understand that that is the case. Uh, the curse will be gone uh, in the New Jerusalem. There'll be uh, no part of that wonderful place uh, that will bear uh, the curse. We've, we've never known a place that didn't bear uh, some uh, effect or scar of the curse. That will be a wonderful thing to be in a place where uh, that's just not the case. There, there will be no um, impact of, of the curse. The curse will have been completely uh, and fully lifted. We praise God for that. Uh, other blessings um, will serve the Lord there. Uh, it's, it's not a complete and total rest from any type of labor. Mike, I think the idea of burdensome labor, that is an aspect of the curse that goes back to uh, the guard, that, that will be gone. 
uh, you know, late labor uh, in, the, in the sweat of our brows, uh, that, that will be gone, the burdensome aspect of, of labor. But uh, we will still enjoy, evidently, the privilege to serve the Lord uh, in, in and throughout eternity. Uh, you see in the next part of verse 3 there, his servants shall serve him. Lamb, uh, oh, I skipped a part, forgive me. Uh, go back to the beginning of verse 3. Uh, there should be no more curse. That's good. But uh, the throne of God and of the Lamb uh, shall be in it. Throne room of, of the Lord uh, will be there. Uh, remember, there's no temple. Uh, evidently, there is a temple in heaven. Uh, the, the, the temple on the earth uh, during the Old Testament time uh, was a, a picture of the heavenly temple. Uh, there's a temple in the third heaven, but not in uh, the New Jerusalem. Uh, however, there, there is a throne. I don't know if it's uh, literally one or two. The Bible says the throne of God and of the Lamb uh, might be one for each, certainly. A uh, throne for each shall be in it. And uh, speaks uh, certainly to the Lord's presence and to his authority, rich one who sits upon a throne. Uh, is one who possesses and exercises authority. The Lord will be present, uh, reigning and ruling and exercising authority. Uh, and then in the next part of verse 3, his servants shall what? What's it say? Uh, and his servants shall serve him. Yeah, so uh, that'll be a privilege that we enjoy in, in eternity, serving the Lord in his Lord Jesus Christ, in, in his physical uh, presence, that will be a wonderful privilege. Of course, Mike, I don't think it's any less of a privilege to serve the Lord today. Uh, he's not present uh, physically this morning, but certainly he's present and in a special way uh, as his people have assembled together. That's his promise, of course. Um, verse 4 is a pretty special promise, I think. Not only will the Lord... Uh, be present, not only will we serve him, but we'll see his face. Uh, verse 4 says, and uh, they shall see uh, his face. Um, this be the face of the resurrected, glorified uh, Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds like a pretty special privilege. Uh, that's part of our hope. Um, in 1 John uh, 3 and verse 2, if you're keeping notes, uh, make a note of that verse because we have a similar promise there. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, uh, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Praise God, our, our resurrection bodies, perfected bodies, uh, no more sin nature, uh, and John says there at the end of 1 John 3, 2, for we shall see him as he is. Uh, so at Lord's coming, of course, we will see him. Um, there's a question people ask sometimes. Okay, so there seems to be a throne uh, for God, which we normally would understand as, as the Father, uh, and of the Lamb, we would understand as the Son. Seems to be a promise that we will see Christ the Son uh, but what about uh, God the Father? Will, will we see him? Zach, of course, he's a spirit. We understand that. Uh, Matthew 5.8 suggests the answer is yes. In Matthew 5.8, Jesus said, Blessed uh, are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
uh, they shall see God. You could argue, I suppose, that he was referring to himself and his divinity, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily the case. So I think there's uh, some suggestion here that uh, in the New Jerusalem, we'll have the privilege not just to be present with Christ and the Father, uh, not only to serve them both, but also to see uh, them both. And uh, Rich, you know, who knows exactly what that will be like, but it will be uh, an extraordinary privilege um, indeed. Uh, next part of verse 4 is interesting. So we, we'll see his face and... Uh, his name shall be in their what? What does it say? Foreheads, uh, right, foreheads. So uh, we know that during the tribulation period, those who reject Christ uh, will receive a mark, the, the mark of the beast. Uh, it's a mark of ownership. We, also, we know it has practical purpose in the tribulation also. Uh, it will be required to buy and sell, and so people who get saved... Uh, Bible says they won't take the mark and will be with great consequence, of course. They, they might die uh, if they're not able to buy and sell. That's, that's um, it might not be able to, to buy food and, and die as a result. Uh, we understand that. But, but here in the New Jerusalem, the Bible says his name, the Lord's name, will be uh, in our foreheads, not the mark of the beast, uh, which, again, signifies people gave themselves over to him, uh, yielding themselves to him, allowing him to claim ownership of, of them. Uh, this, this evidently will be a, a mark of ownership or uh, of Christ, uh, his people whom he has redeemed. And so I think the idea here is just be a, a, a constant, I, I would think, visible reminder of, of redemption. Uh, the Lord having uh, placed a mark of ownership, of, of redemption upon the foreheads uh, of his people. And so we don't know exactly what that will look like, but uh, no doubt it'll be a beautiful and someone's saying, I don't think I want it to be marked, but it, no doubt it'll be beautiful and uh, wonderful thing. Zach, it's interesting. We know that uh, in Leviticus, the Bible teaches us not to mark make markings or cuttings in our flesh. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. Why? I'm, I'm the Lord. I, I command you not to. Um, and so sometimes people argue, well, that's, that's under the law. The Lord didn't uh, desire that. Uh, now we're not living under the law anymore, so it's okay now to get tattoos. And my answer to that is, listen, um, it seems to me like the Lord is not pleased by that. I understand Leviticus is part of the Old Testament law, but I also understand that uh, he seems to be saying that, that that would displease him. And so uh, we just kind of take the high road on that and, and teach that it would probably be better to refrain from making any marks or cuttings upon ourselves. Uh, Zach, that would seem to be the case. Um, uh, and rather than marking ourselves pridefully, we humbly await the Lord who, who will evidently place his name uh, upon us. And so we, we reserve the right to make marks upon ourselves. Uh, we, we reserve that right for the Lord uh, and the Lord alone. And so uh, I would encourage you to consider that. Sure, we're not living under the law, 
but at the same time, it seems like tattoos displease the Lord. Uh, we, we don't take that right for ourselves. We reserve it for him and await him to place his mark of ownership uh, upon us. That said, Rich, is it the kind of thing where if someone got a tattoo, they will lose their salvation? No. Uh, you, you say, that well, it might be a sin, but sin is under the blood. Uh, that said, uh, I think we do well, again, to reserve that right for the Lord and the Lord alone. Um, other blessings of the new uh, Jerusalem. We've seen this idea before. But see it again. There'll be no more night there. Uh, it, won't, it won't get dark. Uh, evidently, there won't be the dangers of dark. Uh, verse 5 says this, There shall be no night there. They shall need no candle, neither light of sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. Of course, we know that, that he is the light. If you look back, just flip back to the last chapter, see verse 23, the city, uh, so it's chapter 21, verse 23, The city hath no need of the sun, uh, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, uh, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So uh, the new Jerusalem is, is lit by the glory of the Father and the Son, both, evidently. Uh, that will be uh, quite a wonderful light, I'm, I'm sure. And so uh, we try to get a, a picture in our minds of what this will be like. Mike, we picture the beautiful light, we picture... Um, the foundations, the, the gates, the, the beauty of the foundations, uh, the streets of gold, pure gold, gold so pure it's, you can see through it, it's translucent. Uh, maybe we could just begin to glimpse the awesome, wonderful beauty uh, of the New Jerusalem. But Rich, I, I feel like my imagination is just uh, far too limited to really get an accurate picture here. But uh, I think it's okay to try to, get a, try to get a picture in your mind as the Lord reveals uh, some of these details. Um, back in the middle of verse 3, uh, it's revealed to John that the Lord's people will serve him. Uh, here in the middle of verse 5, the Bible says that they will reign with him. They shall reign uh, and forever and ever. Uh, and so we're serving with the Lord and reigning with him uh, forever and ever. And that the ever and ever uh, seems to allude to the eternality of the new Jerusalem. I, I, I know I said in a recent lesson, we don't know uh, really if there's anything beyond the new Jerusalem. The Bible does not hint at that. Uh, I don't think it does. Uh, this this uh, phrase here. Uh, implies that our, our reigning with the Lord, part of our service to him, no doubt, will, will continue uh, eternally. Maybe that implies us, literally, the new Jerusalem continues eternally. Uh, it's just, but we'll, we'll reign uh, with him forever and ever. Uh, we have eternal life and an eternal purpose uh, in the Lord. And I don't know uh, if you've ever wondered about that. Sometimes people wonder, well, this, this idea of living forever, uh, if, it's, if it's like living here, getting older and older and struggling with different trials, I, I don't know if I want to do that forever. Uh, I've heard people say that. Well, Mike, I don't think we have to worry about what it will be like to live forever and ever in the New Jerusalem. Uh, everything will be perfect. Uh, there's no curse. Uh, we have great purpose, and uh, this, this will be a good thing. Um, 
The idea of reigning forever and ever is also seen in the Old Testament. If you want to make a note, Daniel 7, Daniel, of course, prophesied much about future things. Daniel 7, 27, uh, the kingdom and dominion, the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. All dominions shall serve and obey him. Sure enough, his kingdom is an uh, everlasting kingdom. Uh, Revelation 1, 6, he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to be glory and dominion uh, forever and ever. And so uh, the eternality of our service, our role uh, with the Lord is uh, pretty clearly testified uh, by scripture. Uh, and then kind of from here down through the end of the verse, uh, changes a little bit. There's some concluding statements that the Lord makes, uh, important uh, statements. Uh, these are familiar uh, to most of us, uh, I'm sure. Uh, but let's, let's see some of these concluding statements. Um, the first thing that is revealed to John is that all that has been uh, revealed to him is certain and true. It's true uh, and it's certain. Uh, verse 6 says, he said unto me, these sayings are faithful. The idea, underlying word has the idea of sure or certain uh, and true. Uh, certain and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel uh, to show unto his servants the things which must shortly uh, be done. And so uh, everything that has been revealed to John regarding future things, it's, it's certain uh, it's true, and, and he says, must shortly be done. Uh, it's imminent, meaning it could occur at any point, including this morning, right? Uh, these, the, the, the kicking off of these events, if you will, uh, with, with the rapture and the things to follow the rapture, uh, there's nothing that prevents that prophetically. There's nothing that has to happen uh, on God's timeline before the rapture would occur. It's been imminent, uh, about to occur, if you will, uh, from the first century until now. Uh, these are the last days, but the last days began in the first century. Don't, don't lose sight of that. Uh, there's, there's nothing that prevents the rapture from coming. Uh, these, uh, these are the things which must shortly be done, uh, is revealed to John. Uh, in fact, uh, see verse 7, where, where uh, Christ speaks, uh, behold, I, I come quickly, uh, uh, imminently. Uh, blessed is he uh, it, that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy uh, of this book. And so uh, there's a, the Lord himself proclaims a blessing here for uh, those who keep these words, who uh, keep them upon their hearts, who uh, learn uh, to be watching and waiting for the Lord, uh, keeping these words uh, upon our hearts, uh, taking care to not lose sight of the fact that this is our hope, uh, the, the things that we see here. Uh, the, the, our hope beyond today, uh, of course, is the rapture, our resurrection, heaven to follow, the millennium to follow that, the new Jerusalem, uh, to follow that. This is our hope and all the things uh, that we've seen here. Uh, this world is not our hope. Our, our hope is beyond this world. This is a temporary place of service. Uh, and it's a blessing of, of its own kind, but not certainly not our ultimate hope. 
Uh, verse 8 and 9, uh, John is urged again to refrain from worshiping the angel uh, that has revealed many of these things to him. It's interesting. Well, let's see it. Uh, verse 8, I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard, when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel uh, which showed me these things. Then saith he, the angel, unto me, John, see thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them that keep the sayings of this book. Don't worship me, but what are the last two words of verse 9? Worship God. Right, and so uh, we see here, it seems to be a human inclination uh, to worship angels. Uh, and certainly, John, John, maybe there's an emotional response here, and he's sort of caught up in the emotion of the, this experience, and uh, he's, he's inclined to bow down himself before uh, this angel. The angel says, no, not, not, uh, don't, don't worship me. Uh, I'm, I'm a fellow servant of God. You, you worship God. And uh, we, we know that there's a human tendency to worship angels. There's a lot of angel worship both um, in history uh, as well as in the present. Um, in fact, even uh, here in town, in our, we always look out for this, in our uh, local continuing education program that's put on by the town, there's a lot of great stuff in there. You can learn Excel and different technical skills, but there's also some weird stuff, Rich, that sneaks in there that has to do with angel worship, uh, learning to speak to your angel, classes, courses like this that show up in there uh, most years. So it's a thing locally. It's a thing everywhere. Uh, it's there, There's a natural fascination with angels and uh, it would seem to be an inclination to worship them. We see it in verse eight and nine. Uh, Lord, help us to stand guard against that. You've, you've, you don't desire that. You, you've called us to worship you uh, and, and you alone. Uh, John receives further instructions uh, from the angel. This is very interesting. Um, the angel tells him in verse 10, don't, don't seal up the sayings uh, of the prophecy of, of this book. Back in Daniel, uh, Daniel was told to shut up the vision. Uh, the angel here tells John, don't, don't seal this up, don't, uh, don't, don't uh, hide this away. Seems to be, the, the idea would seem to be, Rich, that, hey, these things are imminent. Uh, don't, don't seal this up, put it on the shelf, hide it away. Uh, these things are about, come on in, these things are about to happen, so uh, don't, don't, don't seal them up. He said unto me, verse 10, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book for the time uh, is at hand uh, or, or near. So uh, again, testifies to sort of the, the imminence uh, of, of these things. Um, so that, that's very interesting. Uh, and then uh, the, the, the theme kind of changes a little bit beginning, uh, snowplow, verse 11, uh, verse 11. Let me read this. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. Uh, he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. Uh, he that is holy, let him be holy still. And so, Zach, that's a little bit of a challenging verse. I feel like I probably haven't heard a lot of teaching o over the years um, on this verse. But I, I think the idea here is probably something uh, like this. Uh, once, once you're... 
eternal destiny has been fixed, it is just that, it's fixed. Uh, Rich, we, um, we believe that uh, once someone is saved, they will continue to be saved. And I know different churches have different perspectives on the security of our salvation. Uh, some would believe that you can lose your salvation. I'm sympathetic to those that take that position. There are some verses that could be understood that way. Uh, but our, our conclusion is that the totality of Scripture teaches that, hey, once you're genuinely saved, uh, your, your salvation is genuinely secure. You, you cannot lose that. Uh, eternal life that we gain at the point of salvation is either eternal um, or it's not. Zach, do you have eternal life today? You, you do, right? The moment that you are saved, the Bible teaches that you gained, uh, you, and you were added to the family of God, you became a joint heir with Christ, uh, you, you were blessed with eternal life that day. So it's either eternal in that moment or, or it's not. Our salvation is either sealed by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, uh, or it's not. Now, again, I'm, I'm sympathetic. Folks come from different backgrounds, have different understandings. So uh, come, and, come and talk to me if, if that's uh, new for you. If, if you want to kind of open a Bible and look at that idea with me, that'd be my privilege. I'd be uh, very happy to do that. But uh, I think verse 11 is alluding to this idea. Someone who uh, has come to Christ, their eternal destiny, uh, it's fixed, uh, it's set. Uh, if you've been saved, the new Jerusalem is your ultimate destiny. Uh, your, uh, your, your train stops there, if you will. Rich, it's sort of the Grand Central Station uh, of, of the path that, that we're on. However, if you die having rejected Christ, uh, there is no other option uh, but hell, uh, resurrection to judgment of sin, lake of fire, uh, your destiny is, is fixed. And thankfully, Rich, we, we know anyone who's alive and breathing today, if they've not yet come to Christ, if they've not yet repented of sin and placed their faith in, in him, they still can. And we, we praise God for that. But uh, once we've drawn our last breath, our, our destiny is fixed. And I, I think verse 11 is, uh, is probably speaking to this um, idea. Look at verse 12. Jesus is speaking. Back in verse 7, he said, Behold, I come quickly. He uh, repeats that. He reiterates it in verse 12. Uh, Behold, I come quickly. Uh, yeah, his return is imminent. My reward is with me to give every man... Uh, according to his work, uh, to give every man according as his work shall be, right? So uh, he's coming. It could be today uh, after he comes uh, and we're uh, resurrected in, in the rapture. Uh, we will stand before him. Bible teaches very plainly. Uh, believers will stand before him at the judgment seat. Our service uh, will be judged and rewarded. Christ will come and he will give every man according as his work shall be. Zach, are we saved by works? No, but we're saved unto works, right? Uh, we're saved in order to serve the Lord, but you can't serve your way in, in, into heaven. We're, we're saved by grace through faith, not, not of works, according to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We naturally think we can earn our way to heaven. The Bible plainly teaches that's not the case. The, what needed to be earned has been secured by Christ uh, upon the cross, and all we do is 
receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith. Uh, Lord, help us to, to communicate that idea clearly uh, to others. Um, Jesus says, my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Uh, verse 13, Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, uh, the first uh, and the last. Uh, Alpha and Omega are the first and last Greek uh, vowels, right? So he's using this idea as an illustration of, of his what? His eternality, the fact that he always has been. From the, he's, he's from the beginning. He's co-creator with the Father and the Spirit. Uh, he will be uh, through the end, through, through eternity. Um, if this verse is teaching the eternality of Christ, uh, and I believe it, it pretty clearly is, that would be a strong uh, testimony to his what? Is anybody here, uh, have, has anybody here always been? Brother Garcia, have you always been? You, you're, you have not always been. Brother Mo, have you always been? You, you have, I have not either. Uh, I have not either. Uh, I'm not God. I'm not divine. But Christ is. Uh, it, I think the idea of his eternality, that's a, it's an attribute of Christ. That's a strong evidence uh, of his divinity. Yes, he came as a man, uh, came to earth and ministered as a man, but always has been God, came as a man. Uh, those two natures, we can't really understand that, but we know that uh, he came as uh, the God-man, if you will, a man possessing uh, both divinity and humanity. Uh, his eternality is a great proof of his uh, divinity. Um, kind of wonder for a moment uh, with me, uh, why would the Lord make this statement right here? Uh, why would he make a statement that uh, testifies to his divinity uh, right here at, at this point? Uh, well, you always do well to look at the context. If you look at the end of verse 12, well, look at verse 12 again. I come quickly, my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Uh, and then this testimony regarding his divinity. Uh, Zach, maybe the Lord is sort of stating his credentials to give uh, rewards when he comes. Now, I'm not like anybody else that might come and reward you for something. Uh, I'm the Lord. I'm, I'm divine. I'm God the Son uh, who always has been and who always will be. Uh, I have special credentials to reward you uh, as the Lord and, and to give you eternal rewards. And so uh, an eternal God can give eternal rewards. And so I think this is uh, probably the idea. Verse 14, John writes, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they uh, may have right to the tree of life and may enter in uh, through the gates of, of the city. Uh, sure, praise God. Verse 15, for without or outside are dogs and sorcerers uh, and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie, right? So the New Jerusalem will be a holy place uh, where the unrepentant, those who have been unwilling to turn from sin and to turn to Christ for forgiveness of sin, they'll not be there. For example, sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, and so forth. 
anyone who's guilty of those things uh, can repent, turn from those things, turn to Christ and know forgiveness of those things and gain eternal life from him as a result of that. But these unrepentant, those who refuse to turn from these things and return, refuse to turn to Christ for forgiveness, uh, they'll, they'll not, not gain entry. Verse 16, Jesus says, I've sent mine angel and testify unto you these things in the churches. Uh, there's the importance of churches. Uh, I am the root and the offspring of David. There's a credential of Christ again. He is the prophesied Messiah. Uh, that is one of his messianic credentials. Uh, he's the bright and morning star, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride say, come, uh, and let him that heareth say, come, uh, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, uh, let him take the water of life freely. Mike, I believe that's an invitation to salvation. Uh, anyone who is still living a life that's more like verse 15 uh, than like those who will be living in the New Jerusalem, hey, you come to Christ today. You don't know how many more days you may have, uh, but, but you may come uh, to Christ today uh, in no forgiveness. By the way, is there any sin too big for Christ to forgive? The Bible makes pretty clear there's, there's no sin too big for Christ to forgive. Um, let's just see the end here quickly, probably too fast because we're out of time, but uh, let's see this. Uh, the Lord promises a consequence uh, to those that would corrupt this book, and I believe that would be a reference to uh, the word of God, the Bible. He says, verse 18, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him uh, the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of, of the book of prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life uh, and out of the holy city uh, and from the things uh, which are written uh, in this book. And so there's very strong warning here to those who would uh, corrupt the word of God by either, either taking away words or adding words. Um, and this would be uh, evidently from the time that John wrote uh, forward. John, of course, wrote uh, late in the second half of the first century, so the better part of 2,000 years ago. Um, hey, this is it. This is, this is the, these are the last words of Scripture. Uh, we have just a little bit more, two more verses. That's it. No one should take away from this. Uh, no one should add to this. Um, and yet we know that there are groups that we arguably may call cults uh, that have added additional writings that they would call scripture. Uh, for example, uh, the Christian scientists view the writings of Mary Baker Eddy as scripture. Uh, the Mormons have added the Book of Mormon. Uh, they view that as scripture. Uh, Scientologists view the writings of L. Ron Hubbard as scripture. Seventh-day Adventists view the writings of Ellen White as scripture. Uh, the Unification Church, which is still present here in Bridgeport, uh, views the writings of Moon, his divine principle, as scripture. When the Bible plainly says, this is it, this is the end, don't add, don't subtract, this is all you need, don't mess with it. Others have come along in the past 
150 years um, and added. It's interesting that everything that I just mentioned is a fairly late development. Uh, it's all happened in the last 150 years or so. Uh, that is interesting. Verse 20, Jesus, John says of, of Jesus, he which testifies these things saith, surely I come quickly. And then John writes, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Uh, and that concludes our study through the book of Revelation. I hope it's been a blessing. Hope maybe you have a, a little better handle on some things than you did uh, when we began a little bit more than six months ago. Um, if you have questions, uh, please come at any point. I'll be happy to address them the best I can with an open Bible. Uh, we can stop there and, and pray. Uh, Father, thank you, uh, Lord, for this wonderful book of Revelation. Lord, you've shown us uh, very plainly uh, the hope that all believers have today, the certain hope that we have as people who have placed our faith in Christ for forgiveness of sin. We've gained eternal life. We've gained the certainty of the resurrection and perfection of our bodies, uh, heaven, the millennium, uh, the new Jerusalem, uh, new heaven and new earth. Lord, thank you so much for revealing so much to us, for giving us this hope. Father, I pray you help us to uh, be watching uh, for the rapture, uh, be desiring it, Lord, understanding that, that that is our hope. That is the thing that you would have us to be hoping for each day. Meanwhile, Father, help us to be faithful servants, people who pray, people who are in your, in your word, people who are in church, people who are serving you, Lord, not in our own strength, but in yours. Father, pray that you will work here uh, today uh, in the next hour, Lord, in our 11 o'clock morning service. I, I pray that you will work. Uh, I thank you for uh, visitors uh, today, despite the snow. Uh, I pray that this next hour will be a blessing to them. I pray that our fellowship time, our, our lunch time uh, at noon will be a blessing and encouragement and our afternoon service at one will be as well. Lord, work here today, please. Accomplish, Lord, that which you desire. Lord, if anyone has come today or will come today who does not yet know Christ, Lord, I pray today be the day that they would understand what Christ offers and place their faith in him in uh, him alone. Lord, we love you. We thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you for being here this morning. Forgive me for going a little long. We'll be back here in 10 minutes or so. All right. God bless.